But imagine being that actor. It's like, well, what have you done lately? It's like, oh, I was I was one of the guys that were my, that's my penis on Hereditary, and uh... so, so I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, you can barely make out the silhouette of the face, but the um, the crotch area is very nicely lit comparatively to the face. <laughs> so nicely silhouetted. It's good for your demo reel for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another good episode of Films and Fika. Oi, this is the podcast uh, containing a lot and a lot of coffee, delicious coffee. It's also of course contains movies, that's the only thing that we talk about here. A slight possibility of containing nuts. Not the nuts that you're thinking of, however, Mao. Um, Damn it. Today, we will be talking about the works of Ari Aster. Very fun. Kind of spooky. Uh, the two movies, Hereditary and Midsummer. Is that how you say it? Midsummer. You're the Swedish one here. You should know. <laughs> you're, the one who, you're the one who's supposed to tell us how to say it. Okay, for, I'm just going to say Midsommar, because that's the way I'm... I mean, it's literally spelled that way. But I'm going to say Midsommar from now on. Cool. In this fun and not too scary, hopefully, episode, I, Algot, your May Queen, uh, is here with uh, Mao, and naturally, a special, very beautiful guest here on the podcast today, Isabella. Hello. Hi. How, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. I'm glad to have you. What's up with you, Mao? Anything new? What's good? I'm excited, man. Why? Like, there's... First time we do two movies. First time Isabella's on, <laughs> and she's she's fun to hang out with and talk with. Aww. But mostly, we have very different opinions regarding these two movies. Wait, the two of you do? All three of us. All three do. of us, I think. Fun because I saw them for the first time, both of them. Because I I should might as well get this out of the way. At for I don't watch horror films um, because I'm a pussy, and I get scared easily. Uh, I don't true. blame you. I just don't see the appeal with sitting down intentionally scaring yourself. What's the deal with that? It's a so, rush, man. It's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I don't like horror that much either. Okay. I used to. I when I was a kid, I used to watch absolutely everything that I could find. Um, I loved scaring myself because I feel like it, it was a way to, um kind of tell people or show people that you could be brave in a way. Uh, You're like, yeah. I don't care about this. So like, this mm. is nothing. But then I would go to bed and it would backfire. <gasps> and I have really good imagination for stuff like that. So I would make it even worse than the movie was. Like, I won't lie. I rewatched uh, Hereditary yesterday and I didn't sleep well. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> Isn't it a little as much bit as that... Isn't it a little bit that kind of like teen kind of a thing? There's there's usually a lot of teenagers watching horror films. Maybe it's the like yeah. the the dude, the frat boy, kind of to prove his masculinity to this um, possible partner of his or love interest. <laughs> to put it in a in that way. Yeah, I yeah. feel like yeah, for sure. I think it's gonna be interesting, <laughs> uh, and that I I think it's gonna be uh, like being perfectly 
clear we're doing a two movie episode because i don't think i will ever get out to watch horror horror movie for this show no truly so i was like the moment he accepted to do it um i was like we should we should just get both of them out of the way let's do it let's jump in um but you know isabella's here she's our guests and tell us a little about yourself you know you say you liked horror movies when you were a kid do you not enjoy them anymore what type of movie do you like now i love psychological horror for sure i that's actually the reason why i like uh hereditary especially is because i feel like it can be a little bit of a they call it domestic horror which i think is funny but it has a lot of drama in it hmm. uh it's not just mainstream horror so i love movies like that like baba duke or anything that doesn't have only gore and like jump scares because i'm sick of i'm i'm a really I'm really bad with gore. Like, I really don't like it at all. All those Saw franchises and all that stuff. Like, I can't really go through that because mm. I just think it's just disgusting and not really scary. It's it's interesting that you bring up Saw, actually, because I, really? I remember the first time I saw Saw, which was way later in my life, and I was kind of like a movie geek already. Saw 1, I mean, while it might be a classic and all, it's very obvious when the dummies uh, take are on screen. Really? Yeah. Because for me, it was a huge surprise at the end. I was like, Saw 1 is one of my favorite movies. Like, I I think they should have stopped there. Ab- they shouldn't have done the whole franchise. Absolutely. Totally the, the story is super cool. But what I'm saying is that the special effects haven't necessarily, doesn't necessarily hold up. Well, because okay. it falls into that whole, like, early 2000s, early adoption of digital instead of film Mm. that makes none of those movies hold up. Uh Like realistically, there's very few movies that survive that like weird period where digital didn't age well. It's not even about the effects themselves. It's just the medium looks shit. I feel like also you watched it later on, Algot, and that might be why I watched it when it came out and, and, I didn't know you could do better than that. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. so impressed. Fair. And it's funny because because of the rating system in the US, a lot of people, you know, these movies are, are rated and they're supposed to be for older people. But I feel like I speak for most of us who enjoy horror. We didn't see these movies when we were supposed to. We saw them way before. And I yeah. think the filmmakers know that in a way, that their real public is the people who are like sneaking into these cinemas or like watching them really late at night after their parents have gone to bed and you're like in incognito mode or something. Yeah. What was the first scary movie you guys watched ever? <sighs> and what first, age? I saw Ish. the I saw the ring, the American version of the ring. Mind you, that's not too good of a film. Nevertheless, I think it it's still scary. I watched it like two years ago at this point and it, it still still kind of keeps you up at night. It's it's it has those horror themes that really works. But um, I watched it when I was probably fifteen. I was in um, what you call it, like I was in like seventh grade or something, um, and it was on TV. And it's when it started, uh, it was not too late. I just head headed to bed. But I was just so in for the story. 
actually, that I just stayed up way too late because it was a school day. I had school the next day and it was on TV and I would just, I turned up the brightness on that TV to the full. I turned on all the lights in the room, but I just had to see how this movie finished. Um, mm. Granted, I, I, I was affected by The Ring for about two weeks after uh, but I think that kind of proves how much of a pussy I am with these kinds of films. No, it's funny how you say that because I watched it when I was... That was not my first film and I'm gonna... I can't wait to know which one was yours, Mal. But I, I, it also traumatized me. I think it was one of the last films that I watched that really... I couldn't sleep for two months yeah. Like afterwards yeah. because there's there's no element in life that doesn't remind you of The Ring. Yeah. Like I saw water, I thought of The Ring. I saw a TV, I thought of The Ring. Yeah. I used to go to bed and like close my eyes and, and I, I was afraid to open them because I would see the girl. So it was just really bad all in all. But what That's was your really first? Um, I am having a lot of trouble remembering the first one, but I want to say, and there's just something that gives me a little bit of certainty. So I think I'm going to go with it because I, that's the one that I remember the most. Um, I saw Paranormal Activity when I was like in uh -huh. seventh grade or eighth grade. And I've seen the other ones, but I, I stand by the fact that the first one really captured something. And that movie was so fucked up to me in terms of the fact that, you know, it scared me to death. It was... <laughs> It was really fun. And I had a lot of fun with it because I'll let you know this a little bit more, but I was really um, shielded in what I could see and what I couldn't see up until a certain point in my life. So I hadn't seen any horror or anything. And especially with horror, my dad doesn't like scary movies. Like he really, really doesn't. He's on the same boat as I got. He's like, why would I pay to go sit down and suffer for an hour and a half? That is not appealing. Um, and then one of my aunts watched The Exorcist when it came out and she couldn't sleep for months. Um, so, so yeah, so my dad, is, <laughs> my dad and whore don't meld. Um, so it's not the type of movie that I would see. So Paranormal Activity was great. And after that, I'm sure I saw either saw three or two at a cousin's house at some point. Mm -hmm. But Yeah. I feel like I watched it too early then. Like compared to you guys, I watched uh, Scream when I was seven. It was 96. Yeah. When you were seven. I, I, I watched it and I was completely hooked. Like mm. I had to continue watching it. And I think at some point my mom, mom told me to go to bed because she realized I was watching it. But <laughs> I like my parents also hate horror. And I feel like kind of the rebellion... Uh, like teenage years made me watch even more. So like The Ring mm. and all these other films. And I think the last one that I, that was like ghost related, which is the thing that scares me the most. Like whenever it's like satanic stuff or monsters, I'm not that really like scared, but if it's mm. ghosts, I'm out. So it's, it's funny because it was like, I think it was spirits. It's like a it's definitely Asian. I don't remember which country. It it was really scary, and it's actually very psychological too. Mm. Um, that was the one that did it. I I don't think I watched for years after that. Well, I mean, Asian horror is definitely on a league of its own. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Like I remember, um, 
I saw The Grudge at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but the Japanese version, and that fucked me up too. Yeah. Like it was so intense, and is they just they are really good at what they do um, in terms of that. There's a really there's a recent one, and I think it's Korean, and it's called The Wailing. Yeah, um, it might be on Netflix. That movie is also really fucking good. Um, they just know how to do it, I guess. I'll be sure not to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's because I. I can't. That's too much for me. Then I'm on Algon's side. I can't. The thing that makes me very sad about the fact that I have trouble sitting through scary films is that yeah. uh, usually they're very indie. Usually they're lower budget, which means you need to have you have to be more open minded and come up with a lot of creative solutions. At the same time, it kind of allows filmmakers to explore in many ways, which especially with uh, Miss Omar is why I was so excited to see it. I was afraid to see it because, it, I, you know, it's scary. Um, but it's I know <laughs> from just seeing the trailer that it's a beautiful film. And that goes along with, uh, I mean, me and Isabel have had this conversation before, but there's so many scary movies that I would like to see just for the aesthetic appeal. Hmm. But I don't find myself being able to sit through them. But I would like to, just because they are so they're so beautiful to look at most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's the thing for me is the aesthetic isn't enough in that sense because <laughs> I feel like it. In in my opinion, I wasn't scared when I saw Midsummer. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was in awe of the production design and everything. But I was just, I was. I don't know. I, I feel like the story goes a long way f- with horror. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of, which is why I love this director for both films, because he doesn't do that same old kind of thing that you see in every horror film. Yeah. yeah. I feel like people are getting tired of that, too. Mm-hmm. So this is well, a new I, kind of horror. Yeah. And it's really exciting because I feel like there was a point, um, you know, until recently where horror kind of was going downhill in terms of what people expected from it and the general public opinion of what a horror movie was and if it was good or if it was worth it um and i feel like ari aster um the guy who did the witch and the lighthouse he's also like a really interesting voice to check out Um, yeah robert eggers yeah robert eggers i feel like um horror might be you know, the new genre to watch. And it's really interesting because we have um, Jordan Peele too. Uh-huh. He did Get Out and yes. Us. Both it's of which funny are really that good. you mentioned that. And I don't know if I'm getting ahead, but uh, Get Out and Us to me felt like a hereditary in Midsummer in terms mm-hmm. of expectations mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me and disappointment. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, okay. I absolutely we're, we're gonna... love Get Out. Yeah, let's get into it. I mean, here's the thing about directors who make a really good first movie. You will never be able, never be able to hit that again, ever, in your career. You know, I feel like maybe there's some people that you would argue. Um, Quentin Tarantino is one of them. I feel like a lot of people I got excluded think that he got better after Reservoir Dogs. A lot of things Tarantino hasn't been as good as in Reservoir Dogs. It's but, the you best know, like, film. 
but um, it is. I don't know, man. As it's a film, my favorite it might film. have been better. But Reservoir Dogs is my favorite of Tarantino. Yeah. Me too. Jesus. <laughs> but Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction comes close though for me. Mm. I mean, Django was good. Django was amazing. Bastards. No, Django was better in my opinion yeah. than Glorious Bastards. Why? Yeah. Yes, so much. You I see, went to see it three I, times in a week. I think you and I are really, really good friends because we don't <laughs> usually talk about our movie tapes <laughs> now that I come think about it. I um, feel like I feel like we're both different, but we're the three of us are different in all the tastes, I feel like. Hmm. But that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's why we're here. Um I think you know, we all want to have a first movie that is like Hereditary or that is like Get Out or, you know, Reservoir Dogs even because it was a huge thing when it came out. Um, but also, I don't know, the expectations of having to live up with that must be insane, mm. you know? They say that a lot about uh, recording artists too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah, like a stress. Yeah, I do. I do want to say something about the low budget part. I feel like sometimes movies are way scarier with low budget, like Wreck. It's a Spanish movie and it's shot like very documentary style. So Ooh. it feels like you're actually there and things are happening to you or, or around you. And it's a zombie movie, which usually don't scare me. But that one really, really fucked me up for sure. Uh, they remade it into like a very Hollywood type of movie called Quarantine. <laughs> and I doubt I didn't watch it, but I doubt that it has the same impact as the first one. So sometimes it works, you know. I feel like horror films as a whole are just better off with a lower budget because um, it it has it just complements the genre so much. If if it's low budget and they have to make real of what they have, I don't know. It just works much better. I'm a huge fan of the first Halloween as well, and it had a really low budget. Really low. He was like out of lo- out of film school, um, so that's an amazing achievement. I, I think it has a lot to do with if you're not under the control of a studio, you're more flexible with your filmmaking, yada yada. Of course, that differs a lot from uh, project to project, filmmaker to filmmaker, but generally. I feel like, again, uh, it's definitely a place where filmmakers explore a lot of things mm. is in this genre. And you do see a lot of creative, innovative things within horror flicks. I think we should go into our recommendations of the week, don't you? I think so, too. Yeah. What did you watch this week, Agat? What did I watch this week? Well, let me tell you. I've been... While on lockdown and whatever, whatever. We, we've spoken a lot about Wes Anderson on this, or I, he constantly pops up. There has been these few films of Wes Anderson that I haven't seen. I've rewatched a lot of movies from his, but one that I haven't seen is, ironically enough, or I mean, fittingly enough, uh, Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first film. Mm. And Bottle Rocket 100% falls into the category of being an amazing film. Uh, while being his first, his feature directorial debut, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Bottle Rocket mm-hmm. is amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. I especially think that you, Mao, might enjoy it from like a 
cultural standpoint, there's this Latina woman that, by the way, is a huge celebrity <laughs> crush of mine now. She's beautiful, gorgeous. Um, I don't know. Do you know her name? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, she's the one you're incorrigible she's the one female cast in bottle rocket you can look that up um so it doesn't really have wes anderson since it's his first feature it doesn't have those stylistic aspects that wes anderson always has you know the camera movements etc i guess the color palette is sort of there but the characters are very wes anderson and it's interesting to see uh, the development from that Regardless, mm. it is a very good movie on its own. Uh, so I, I do recommend Bottle Rockets. Give it a give it a shot. Do you have her name? There's two. Do you remember her character name? Maybe. Grace? No. <laughs> Bernice? What? None of them are Latino. I think he's talking about Ines. Yeah, that one. Oh, you've seen it. No, I just I looked it up. This I, her name is Lumi Cavazos. She's she's, she's a beautiful woman. I I didn't know her before. I I I did not know her before either. Uh, no, I don't think she has done much since. She's Mexican, Mao. She is Mexican. Yeah, and she's won a bunch of awards. Bottle Rocket, nice, good oh. film. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I got totally. I got sucked into the the <laughs> rabbit hole of who this woman is. <laughs> It's intense. She's had a long like career. She started working when she was 15. Uh-huh. Anyways, Isa, did you see anything interesting this last week? I was actually going to recommend music instead because I was uh, I'm actually obsessed with a band right now. It's, it's Canadian, hmm. but they have a really interesting backstory because I feel like originally neither of them are Canadian. She's hmm. from Peru and they both live in Quebec. And they're just, I feel like they're potentially the best people to score a movie. I feel like their music is so amazing mm. and you really envision it in movies. So it's like, so would you say I would that recommend... it's, um, what's it called? <laughs> is it a very cinematic cinematic sound? It is. It's it's funny because the other day... Okay, so first of all, the name of the band is El Cian. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, it's the combination of both of the people's names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other day I was looking up like what kind of music it is because I can't even describe it, but it's like trip-hop with electro and something. And oh. I just think that's not enough to describe it it's very original and they're even working on a new album that's why i've been listening to it more now um it's just it's very dark sometimes but her voice is so unique it's beautiful there's I, I've never heard a voice like that before. It's just the sound is very original. So, so I feel like... A, a tough question, but what film or possibly like a movie adaptation would you like to hear their music in? I feel like it would work for psychological drama, for sure. Mm, okay. Hmm. For sure. And even more than that, I picture something like the same thing Pink Floyd did with The Wall. I picture something like that, too. Like something very Ah, out there. Something abstract. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I don't know. There might be there might be some good ideas people can come up with with something very like out of the box for this. But it's just cool. I absolutely love it. So I I recommend listening to it. it, it they're not really famous, so Shout out. still a good time to figure them out. Let's <laughs> jump on that before it <laughs> exactly. gets hyped all over the world. Alrighty, we'll we'll link them down below. Um, if anyone is interested, uh, I'm sure Aga will check them out as soon as we're out of here. I, I love cinematic in, in search for tunes. Yeah. Um, I have a recommendation that is going to be a mixture of both. Uh, it's a it's a musical. I like musicals. I know not a lot of people like musicals. Um, but it's just not the like basic typical musical where people just randomly burst into song. And actually, one of the actors from Midsummer is in this film and it's indie and it came out a couple of years ago. And I feel like sometimes you just want to watch a movie that is kind of like uplifting and fun to sit through. Um, the movie's called uh, Sing Street and it's about a boy uh, in the UK. I think I don't want to, I don't want to go more specific than that because I don't remember. Yeah, he's from the UK and he's in high school and he wants to form a band. And it's technically, um, it, well, it's not not technically, but it is set in the 80s. Um, and so all the musical numbers are kind of in that vein of like Duran Duran and that type of band. And I think it's really, really fun. People should check that out. Cool. Will do. All righty. So we have two movies to talk about, and it's exciting. So I think we should just jump into it. Like Algot said, we're talking about Hereditary, which came out in 2018, and Midsummer, which came out in 2019. Um, and because we've never done this before, uh, we don't really have a set format. Uh, so we're going to intro both movies, give our little like five minute quick review ideas of these two films, and then we'll start getting into the spoilers and just jump around. Um, so Hereditary tells the story of a family um, whose uh, they lose their grandma and after that, the movie focuses on how they deal with grief and the different various um, disturbing occurrences that start happening to them in their lives. Isabella, what did you it's, think about it's it? It's hard to say anything without spoiling, but I would say no movie has achieved that ominous vibe so well mm. for me. It's such a creepy vibe from the start. And I feel like the details of that are such spoilers. <laughs> um, I can't. That's totally yeah. fair. That's totally fair. But so, so you would recommend it, basically. You like? I would it definitely enough. recommend it. I absolutely love this movie. And mm -hmm. again, I'm not that big a fan of horror, but this okay. type of horror, I can get behind for sure. Yeah, it's it is very psychological. I mean, both of them are. They're mm -hmm. not too too scary. I think I built up Hereditary, especially quite a lot, uh, especially from Mao seeing it in the theater 
Uh, I don't know if you necessarily recommended it, but you spoke about it a lot. It really left an impression on you. Um, mm. So Hereditary is very well crafted and all. And I think if you're going to see one of the two, Hereditary is the one that I would uh, recommend over the other. It's a better, it's a more solid film. Definitely. Yeah. I know they have similar editing and actually oh, the same editor. Yeah. Uh, well, Hereditary had two editors and one of them stayed for Midsommar. But one time I heard uh, Walter Murch, uh, like huge editor. I think he edited uh, Apocalypse Now, one of the people who edited it. He said that usually people remember stills from movies. Like whenever you think of a movie, you remember a certain expression, like someone's face, like like a moment in the in the film. And mm. for me, this is one of the films that goes against that. And I actually remember transitions and cuts yeah. because they are oh, so important. Yeah. And they're like, so good. So good. And I feel so like good. one thing that I love about both editing wise, and this does not have spoilers, it's just they have so many transitions from light to dark and dark to light mm. that are actually memorable. Yeah, you actually yeah. remember them. Like, I absolutely love that part. And I have a little bit of a fetish for transitions, especially. And there's some uh, very yeah. nice match cuts in this one. Yeah. Very, um, very nice. I I agree. If you're going to watch one of the two, definitely watch Hereditary. It is a more solid film. Um, and you're right. I was at it. did leave an impression, mostly because I hadn't seen a horror film that really got under my skin like this did in a really really long time and you know like i really like get out and i really like the witch but this this was you know an experience to sit through isa what are your thoughts on midsummer midsummer i like the story less i like the visuals for sure i think it's amazingly well crafted i think it's less memorable i think it's more predictable I got a little disappointed with that part, which uh, in Hereditary, I was so impressed by because I really was not expecting uh, the ending. But Midsommar, mm. the ending was the beginning and, and it was very easy to spot, I guess. And everything else about it was amazing. Production design, like I even want to ask Algot about like Swedish culture because oh, I have we'll no idea if that. it's. If it's like accurate, but visually, like the wallpapers of the houses, oh my mm. god, that was beautiful, mm. absolutely beautiful. I would recommend Midsummer, but it's just not. I wouldn't watch it again. Oh, that's mm -hmm. that's that's the thing. So you I would recommend it, but wouldn't watch it. Yeah, it's okay. worth the watch if you want to see great filmmaking. It is great filmmaking, but it's not great storytelling, in my opinion. I will Alrighty. say that I, I enjoy the concept in Misomar more. Maybe it has to do with the, my, my cultural background. Um, but I feel like it's more solid in the sense that uh, the purpose for the existence of this world that they're creating or the characters mm. even where they exist in, it feels more, it feels like it has a more clear motivation and drive for the story okay. but yes it kind of falls flat in comparison or even like uh, regardless it's mm. not as appealing of a movie no unfortunately i also i also thought it was a bit more gore than i would like <laughs> oh yeah i didn't mind it in my opinion because I, again i'm not a gore fan um uh, 
and I feel hereditary has gore, but yeah, uh, less traumatizing. <laughs> like the actual gore. I don't mean the the movie itself. The movie is very traumatizing. Hereditary but... has less graphic gore, but um, the same exactly. amount, I guess. Yeah. Which yeah. comes back to what you said earlier, Algot. It could have been like a budget thing that he didn't have in Hereditary, but ended up having in in Midsummer, and that's why he had to be a little bit more creative with how he handled it. Could have been. Um, I don't know though. Uh, personally, I really did enjoy Midsummer. It's the second time I see it. I would see it again. Um, I watched both of them yesterday back to back because. I'm a dick and I, <laughs> um, I like postponing things till the last minute. But, but um, did you sleep at night? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm not going to lie. I, it's, it's weird whenever I watch something and it, it bleeds into my, my sleep. Like that, that, I think that's happened like twice. It really doesn't happen Lucky. that often. Yeah. I feel like I'm really good at like separating myself from what mm -hmm. I watch, mm -hmm. I feel, um, which is good in a lot of ways. But it also means that um, I'm I'm always in the search for that thing that's going to make me feel uncomfortable, at least for a couple hours where it's like, oh, what the fuck? But yeah, Midsummer, I really enjoy it. I think it's a really good companion piece to Hereditary. I've heard some stuff uh, from the director that I think will maybe shape your guys' perspective on it, which is realistically my goal here. My goal here is to defend Midsummer as we get into it. <laughs> oh, I see. So, That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. But I think I think they're both really good movies. I think Ariester is great. He clearly has um, a really good hold on his craft and what he wants to do with the stories that he tells. We're going to get into the spoilers. This is your spoiler mm -hmm. warning. Uh, Alrighty, so let's get into Hereditary because you guys liked it more. And I feel um, realistically, if people watch these movies and they haven't seen them before, they should probably start with Hereditary. I think it's just a, uh, it's more fun of a film, I guess, if you can say that. I want to know if you liked it, Algato, because I know you didn't enjoy Midsummer, and we haven't spoken about what you thought about Hereditary. So what did you think about it? I can say that I was with both of them actually but probably especially with hereditary since you kind of build it i think i had more hopes or uh hype on hereditary but i was mm. un unfortunately unimpressed with both of the films okay because with hereditary again i i uh different from midsummer i see i feel like there's a lack of motivation for the characters there is mm. this spiritual aspect which is cool mm -hmm. i guess there's a lot of spirits and yada yada but the characters themselves seems to be just they just seem to be vessels there might be an aspect to that that is intentional in that sense 100 but i, I can go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess i i'm i'm pretty i'm this entire spiritual aspect of the film i i'm not too big of a fan of mm. actually but I will say that like even though the film didn't appeal to me so much, the third act wraps it all up perfectly. It's really yeah. nice. The third act is amazing. It's really good how everything that has been planted previously just makes sense all of a sudden. 
and it works. It works so well. Uh, unfortunately, that's the last 10 minutes of the film. Um, I feel like it didn't really <laughs> catch my interest uh, until that as much as it should have. I have so much to say. Yeah, no, I agree, <laughs> but please, uh, please, please go. No, please go, because I have so, like, oh my god. I feel... Um, here's the thing, Algat, and, and I'll let Isabella go after this, because I really want to hear her take on it, but you are right. There is a very intentional aspect to the lack of motivation and to the lack of control and or um, sure. active like participation from all of these characters. And it's basically that they're all vessels. They are all puppets within this game that the grandma decided to. But, but um, can you agree begin. that in a story aspect, it's, kind of weird for the audience because they are supposed to connect to the characters on screen you know it, it works in the sense of the big lebowski that dude is just uh following the the stream mm. of dead fish but um in this one i feel like you should have had some maybe even some friction from one character or like going against the grain and that could have made it more interesting in this case, it feels like all of the characters on the screen are just dead fish and we're following the process. Did you watch it um, on your computer? <laughs> on a 27-inch monitor. Okay, that's not that bad. Lights on or off? Lights on. <laughs> Lights on. You know, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think it's totally fair, but I feel like big part of this movie is like the atmosphere that it creates and the atmosphere of unease and the whole feeling of you know being disturbed um I, I think that if you were to see hereditary in theaters it would have been a lot better you would have been more invested more involved um but i intentionally turned on the lights because if not i wouldn't have been able to fall asleep <laughs> but it wasn't as scary <laughs> that, as i thought yeah. in hindsight yeah see i i completely disagree with the the character friction okay. part because i think it has compelling drama yeah there's so much underlying drama in this family it's like a very fucked up family to begin with like despite all the lack of control you know the like the part that i love the most about that was the guilt it's so filled with guilt the whole movie yes. and not even only the mom but the kid as well obviously because peter mm -hmm. kills accidentally his sister in the most most horrific way possible which like i've seen this movie three times and the sequence still has me so yes. anxious it is yes. so like <laughs> it's so like, intense for me my best uh my favorite performance in this whole movie is peter unable to look back in the car mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i felt like that was very relatable like if Obviously, we don't know even what we would feel if this would happen to us. But if it did, I think I would be so in shock that I wouldn't be able to look mm -hmm. and I would go home. There are some flaws uh, within the characters, I feel like, because the mom called a bunch of times before and she was worried and she didn't do anything when he got home. So she was just relieved that he was home. They were home. Mm -hmm. But it's just... To me, it's just very, very authentic, his reaction. So 
Mm. I absolutely that part gives me chills whenever I watch it. And I also watched it twice and the second time it really wow. Like I I actually have no words for that moment. It was mm. so impactful. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I feel like there's so many interesting dynamics within the family. Um I feel that the movie's trying to explore more so than the whole demonic possession aspect of it i feel like this is really like a family drama like a family um trying to cope with uh grief and how each of them deals with it and the fact that you can't deal with it the same way because they're different people yeah and not only that like the mom uh didn't want to have peter i feel like that part is very relatable because there's a lot of women who suffer from postpartum depression or whatever other mental health issues that we all go through, um, the that friction between her and her mom for having the kid, we know that the cult made her have the kid. But in everyday life, sometimes there are resentments that parents feel towards kids, especially moms, and especially if they didn't want to have them. And it's a very delicate issue. And mm. they carry that guilt forever. Like I, I I've known people within my family like generations ago that had issues of something happening even to their little kids and the mom feels guilty forever. It's just guilt is such a big part of this. And I love when they're then she's mm. screaming at Peter on the at the table and saying that no one takes responsibility for their actions. Because, well, first of all, well, no, because you're all you all have no control over your actions so far, which I think was kind of the ironic thing, which I loved. I love how they put little moments in the film, like the classroom, like the teachers teaching about like lack of control and Heracles and all these things. And I love when movies do that. Yeah. Yes. Um, absolutely. And that's what I like. I, it might be good on a second rewatch, actually, but um, mm. there's a, there's a lot of those like small plot points. For example, uh, Charlie early on mentions that Grandma always wishes that Charlie was a boy at birth, mm -hmm. or tried to have Charlie be a boy, make make her a tomboy essentially, because that was always the kid that was supposed to be whatever it is. It's so weird. Oh, supposedly she's always the thing like she's always she's always the demon like she was never yeah, right? a normal child yeah. um which is insane because technically then what happens is that she kills herself because a demon is inside of her and it doesn't want a female buddy so then it commits suicide through peter because he needs to be fucked up and vulnerable and suggestible so that he can get possessed but that's the thing. I feel like there's an issue in the story, which mm. is that it's that she follows a light, which basically means that she isn't the spirit all the time, because technically yeah. that light is the spirit. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and also at the end, they call her Charlie, which and she's kind of scared because she doesn't really understand what's happening. So it's kind of like part of her mind as Charlie is still in there mixed with the spirit so it's it's that part is kind of confusing but i don't hate that i don't understand it fully mm. because i actually hate the ending like the ending for uh. me <laughs> is like the explanation okay 
the explanation of why all this happened uh, is just the type of horror I don't like. I don't like ah. satanic cults. I don't like yeah, exactly. when, because like Algod said, like it's, it, it feels like you're you, a lot of things happen just because they wished it. So, and that's it, mm. you know? I feel like um, the entire aspect of the light is a bit too far off to... I like when movies make sense, or at least when it's explained. But the light, yeah, what, there's a lot of things about but, this that's just very existential and it's kind of iffy. I just... What I do love is the the drama within it, though. Like, I actually like sure, that there yeah. was something else. And And the other thing is, the main reason why I was so impressed with the film is because, like I said, I'm so scared of supernatural, like, ghost stories. And the movie starts out, we can even talk about the beginning. Like, it starts out as a ghost story because yes. you see the grandma and especially that moment, which is such a horror trope, but it's so relatable because everyone is scared of that. <laughs> everyone is scared of, like, having something in the corners. Like, you kind of see something, you kind of don't. I love that, though. I love when horror movies do that properly where it's like uh -huh. it's a blanket and you miss moment and if you if you like look away you will never experience that like if you're in the theater and you decide to in that moment like look at your drink or you look toward your right to your to the person that you're with or whatever you miss it but the people that don't miss it have like this like mini choke heart attack it's like, <laughs> is she there that that was yeah, my no, uh, scariest moment I think that I was the scaredest part for me was that. And well, the ending when the mom runs chasing Peter, uh, mm. I was scared shitless. That was the worst part for me. Even worse than when she's trying to chop her head off. I, the running, like it was so sudden. And I actually attribute that to editing. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. mm. I feel like. And when mm. she's banging the, the, yeah, the head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that sequence, it's it's it falls into the trope, and I feel like it it's kind of cliche at this point. Or I mean, it is a horror movie cliche, but since it's the only sequence that has it, it it's fine. It's completely fine. Exactly. <gasps> but he even manages to do the close on the chair trope, which is it's been done so many times. So many times. Um. It's funny because I even tried to do it and I failed miserably. So I, I, it's so hard to do. And he manages to make it so <laughs> ominous and so yeah. well like made. Oh, wow. I was yeah. impressed. I think a big part of the movie itself is, and why I keep coming back to it, is everything that he clearly paid attention to in order to make the movie what it is. Um, I feel there was a lot of care taken especially upon a second rewatch um with everything and how it's constructed so possibly to wrap up our first conversation or at least the first part of talking about hereditary what is the meaning of the toy house because throughout the film oh i love the use of tilt shift lenses like the way you oh, see the I perspective know. it's amazing and we see the mother building miniatures and we always have these cutaways to the, those miniatures and there's always this toy house i mean the first the first shot is literally zooming in on a room cutting into the oh, room that's perfect. of the boys room um what's the i never fully grasped the meaning it's amazing, but what does it mean? Is it just because there are vessels of this 
Mm-hmm. They they are toys. They're like pawns. So I feel like the watching over the whole house yeah. is so creepy and well done. And it's almost foreshadowing as well because mm-hmm. she starts doing these things. She even writes the little words on the wall, which supposedly we don't know who writes them on these walls, uh-huh. right? This whole time. But she even does that. So it's like part of her subconscious always knew that this was happening because mm-hmm. it's in her blood. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel, really love that aspect. I feel the toy house is exactly that. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be a very, um, maybe on the nose, but apparently it might not be. It kind of um, flew over my head. I'm not completely buying and, it. And that's fine, but I feel it really does come down to the fact that they are, if you think about it from the moment that the grandma decides that she wants uh-huh. to bring this thing back she's planning every single thing about their lives you know that's why um tony colette's brother dies or kills kills himself um and that's why charlie dies and that's why everything else happens because they're purely in this ride that the grandma has set up for them um because realistically and i think that's something that it's exploring as well is how much our ancestry like how much are we affected on our day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. by the decisions of our family members especially those who came before us our parents our grandparents their parents and i I love the motif of the houses because there's a house there's a miniature house when they come into the house like their house right in front of the door but there's one next to the stairs yeah and it's like this column of houses built on top of each other. And it just all kind of ties back to how um, our past affects us in some way. And, and not even our past directly, but the, direct, the past of our family has a control over us in some ways. You know, it dictates who you are in a lot of ways. And even going into like the whole spiritualism, which I agree, I, I'm not a big fan of usually. Um, yeah. I love that it sprung up on me at the end and it's the movie is 80% foreshadowing and then it all comes together in the end. But I love that even within that, it, within spiritualism, you believe in reincarnation. So even the houses stacked on each other and like the earth between them, I felt like that was very symbolic for people who do believe that. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not completely buying it. I feel like, as an audience member, you're just watching a family deteriorate, and I'm not sure if I'm too appealed to that. I feel like what is really interesting in terms of their family dynamics is basically, you know, again, like Isabella said, it's all about the guilt and the grief mm. that you might just, you might just be born with it. Like, you don't even know why you feel guilty, you know? But there's just something that is always on top of you. And, um, fair enough. But, yeah, uh, even, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. You go ahead. Like, even, even the mom, like, she never wanted, uh, Peter and she didn't want the grandma to have contact with Peter when he was born. So, even if she didn't know what was going to happen, it was like she always kind of knew it in her heart that it was the right thing to do. I feel like Midsommar kind of falls... I mean, actually, it's interesting because you guys might not agree with this as well, but I feel like Midsommar has the same kind of flaws that Hereditary has in the sense that it's not 
too appealing and we're just following these characters as they disintegrate into something that's out of their control. There's mm. always that uh, thing that is inevitable for these characters and they're exposed to it and we're just flies on the wall watching it. Regardless, uh, as Isabella mentioned before, Misamar is way too predictable. Mm. Do you at least agree on that, Mao? Like, as an audience member, there's never any surprise. You're just, as an audience member, you're exposed to the fact that these characters later on are exposed to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here's the thing, and I think I mentioned this to both of you at some point. I don't think that predictability within a movie Mm -hmm. is always a negative thing for me, you know, because of the following, even though, yes, there's a huge, like, is this a ghost story or is this a demon story Mm -hmm. that does play into hereditary? um, We know where these stories are going because we've seen them before um, in other horror movies. Yeah. Right. We've seen we've seen the cults and we've seen the demon position. But for me, it really comes down to how he is trying to use the genre to talk about other stuff. You know, and especially with Midsummer, sure, we know they're at least most of them are going to die. And obviously the girl is the one who survives and all this other stuff. The movie's really not about cults, though. The movie's about a relationship. It's about the deterioration of a, of a relationship. It's about someone trying to get out of a toxic relationship. And the fact that as human beings, we are so codependent that we're willing to stay in a relationship that's been in this shitter for uh, like a year. All right. All right. Actually, two years is the, has the relationship been going on. Or maybe it's the for two years that he has known that. The, what I'm trying to say is literally in the first sequence, maybe even the first scene, um, we hear from the dude or like the guy in the relationship says this out loud to his friends that he's essentially trying to find a way to break up with this girl. Yeah. So from the get go, we know how the movie's going to end. Don't we? What's, what, yeah, what's the interesting in that? But here's the thing about it. And, and this is why I think the predictability argument falls through like in a second, the opening shot, the first frame of this movie is a mural. It's a like a like a an art piece like a I don't know what to call it. Why are you looking at me like that? Isn't it's the first mural. shot of the? Village? It's like similar to the drawings of the Swedish uh, wallpapers and all that stuff. It comes. It's like the, the mural comes from side to side. So sorry. Oh, dude, <laughs> it's literally the movie. It's like a drape. exactly. It's the whole movie. Everything is laid there. Everything there's. Like if you paid attention to it, that's it. That's but you the whole movie. obviously you only notice those things when they're happening, but it's uh-huh. still very predictable for sure. I I I'd say that the main difference between the two, though, for me was that Hereditary seemed like a supernatural horror, like like Mao said, it seemed like a ghost mm. story, and then it became like a satanic cult type of thing. Yeah. And Midsummer, you open up already in a cult so it's more expected that you won't have control over things so when people start disappearing you know they're dying you know like it's very um it's from the get-go i think i like the twists more than 
the cult being the main thing, you know? Mm. And that's completely fair. And I think it, the, the interesting part about this is that it'll come down to what you look for in the movie, right? From what I've known of discussing film with Algar is that characters and character driven pieces are not necessarily his cup of tea. Right. Yeah. I know that he's not really into that. He's into the the concept, the 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 escapism, all of this other stuff. Um, so obviously, like sure. And even with Midsummer, what's really funny is that people think of it as a horror movie because the guy did hereditary and because marketing. Yeah. But he calls it a fairy tale. He yes. thinks it's a he thinks it's a fairy tale. Um and I think that's a more accurate description in everything because it looks beautiful and it it's all of these things that grim fairy tales are famous for, um, the beautiful drawings, the, 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 picturesque, the picturesque setting and the gore that exists within them too. Um, which we like, and I'm, I'm sure Isabella wants to know too, like how, how did you feel as a Swede, <laughs> you know, because they go to Sweden, it's about a couple, uh, who, who decides to go to Sweden um, to this Midsummer Festival. Yep. Um, so tell us tell us your side of it. So I know, I know Mao knows this, but Isabella, did you know that Midsummer is like an actual thing that's coming up in like three weeks? I, I knew it was an actual festival, but I, I obviously hope it's not the same type of festival. <laughs> 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 I mean, I wouldn't go. <clears throat> well, like aesthetically... Um, yeah. the clothing that they wear aren't accurate to the actual product or the things that people actually wear but aesthetically everything is spot on I think the art director might be Swedish or oh, he is okay Swedish actually I think the production designer is Swedish his exactly. last name is Keep a talking. Nordic I'm also descent a, or something almost 100% yeah. sure yeah for sure um, so everything from the building, from the artwork, fun fact, actually, in their apartment, which again is foreshadowing, but in their apartment, they have a picture of a famous painter, uh, or at least it's trying to resemble it from a Swedish painter, blah, 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 even though. And I feel like they're always surrounded from that kind of uh, artwork. Yeah. Regardless, yes, 100%. We do literally dance around a big green penis-shaped pole. We don't dance around to compete for the who's to be the May Queen, but we uh, we do dance around big poles um, and drink a lot of booze and eat good food on these long tables. Wear a lot of white clothing and have flower crowns on our heads. Um, so there's nothing that's inaccurate. And I was actually interested myself while seeing the film, for example, oh, I forget what you call it, when they jump off the cliff. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have the name of it? I was going to ask you about that. Apparently, uh, it is a an actual thing where, it, it's, to my little research that I did, it seemed to be more of a Norwegian thing. But back in the mm -hmm. olden days, in medieval days, they actually did... Uh, commit suicide when they turn 70 something because they would not really bring anything to the uh, to the village or to the uh... well and i mean because realistically in medieval times if you got to be 70 something you were Ooh. like yeah true you know ancient so that was uh, the thing where they actually jumped off cliff and i'm i'm glad that it's accurate to that point then again there's mm -hmm. a lot of things like the books whatever they call them 
the books themselves are not an actual thing but mm -hmm. um the runes are accurate to my knowledge and the fact mm -hmm. that they place uh love spells in the form of small runes um it's actually a a thing that we still exercise to an extent where we place things under our pillows and you'll dream about your prince and yada yada but hopefully not the drink right <sighs> which one was the drink? yeah that would that would be a little bit uh. conflicting nowadays <laughs> yeah because um, that that really grossed me out a bit but yes but yeah yeah it's not great uh he the guy is swedish he was born in stockholm but he currently leaves uh li he currently <laughs> lives um or he lived most of his life in uh norway and mm -hmm. then came back to sweden um, so fun fact for you so i being a swede find appreciation for the fact that it's it's at least seems very researched and very culturally sensitive i feel like for me what comes down in both of these movies because i watched them back to back i feel i'm willing to look past the maybe the predict the predictability of the story because they're very well made and i feel like especially in terms of visuals there's just so much to 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 like deconstruct with both of them um we can talk about the match cuts now from hereditary because i really feel they are a really big highlight like they're just so cool in terms of how they just keep coming but not in ways that you think you know it's not Edgar Wright uh -huh. in it type match cuts. Um, I feel what like, else did I feel you like? like match cuts really, really adds on to the uneasiness because sleep is a big factor of hereditary uh, in Midsummer too, actually. That's one little detail that I did appreciate about the Midsummer sun. That's an actual thing up here in the Nord Nordic country. Um, yes. And I did appreciate that it wasn't sunny all the time because it, we do have sunsets like golden hour at most and then the sun comes back up so it's 100 accurate in that sense when i saw the trailer i thought it was only going to be like midday sun throughout especially because they didn't even they didn't even shoot it in sweden right yeah uh yeah and it, and it does seem it's very believable that it could be sweden so mm, yeah i think they shot in budapest yeah, what's Hungary? Okay, Budapest oh. is in Hungary. Okay. Oh God! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like sleep is a big part of both of them in Hereditary, especially the match cuts add onto the ease uneasiness and mm. seeing how these people, or at least there's the sequence with the guy when he's really tired and stuff, and yeah, it, Ari Aster's visual language is really cool. Uh, I feel like on top of that, with the visual style of his in Midsummer, you have the the feeling of intoxication. Uh, yes, is so... which apparently is accurate. Okay, like I've read really? I've read comments from people who did take acid, and it's very the the way that things kind of float and uh, that visual style is very nice. accurate to like a trip and, and a I bad love... trip too. <laughs> And the CGI of the grass coming through her hand, it looks flawless. Oh my God. Yes. I love the flowers I, like on her yes. head that kind of, yeah. That move. Uh, I feel like, and I really like the ending of Midsummer in 
like visually because from the second that they both take um the mushroom tea whatever thing that they give them before they start dancing yeah um everyone's eyes are weird they I'm, like not a, I'm not a huge fan of that actually i really i thought it was because it talks about the subjectivity right it talks about the fact that they're not necessarily themselves anymore and they're opened up to the fact that um whatever comes happens and they're kind of for me it's like they stop with the whole act and the whole nicety that they have for each other and it's like i really don't care about you you don't really care about uh, me i just feel you like know? the effect is kind of, the effect itself looks like a snapchat filter i feel like it might have been made better <laughs> They kind of even say it. They say it's to be open to the influence. So I agree with mm-hmm. you for sure. Like, I, I like yeah. that part. But I also agree with you that predictability isn't such a big problem. Um, and I love that you interpreted it in a completely different way than I did. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I love the relationship the part. No, I, I actually saw another underlying thing completely. Um, yeah. I was really moved by the way that the cult uh sometimes you see them imitating the screams like when she screams they're screaming when the Mm. people like jump and one of them doesn't die immediately they start imitating what he the sound he makes and it goes back to yes the relationship because the guy says you need someone to hold you like she hasn't been properly held like supported Mm -hmm. emotionally But for me, it was a lot more about how she dealt with grief of her family, because it's so amazing to me that it's like a progression that she more and more is in touch with her feelings, because in the beginning, she doesn't even want to talk about it. She just cries. Mm -hmm. And what a horrific sound that cry in the beginning is. And it's actually the same as the mom in Hereditary. I think that that's a similarity in the two. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like. I feel like, yes, uh, Ari hasn't done anything that didn't exist before, but he makes things way creepier. Like the sounds, the clicking sound of the tongue in Hereditary. Um, that's the one that I was going to say I heard last night, like in my mind as I was going to bed. That's the creepiest one. Um, but I feel like, yeah, she she the way that they breathe and they scream, it's like they're more in tune with themselves than other mm. people are which goes back to what you were saying that they're being more real um mm-hmm. to each other but i didn't see it as the relationship i kind of the thing that i hated the most was the relationship in the movie because obviously it, it's a really fucked up mm-hmm. relationship and who would want to be in one like that but i didn't um yeah. i didn't really i didn't like the reaction of her like revenge at the end and the way he cheats on her like i felt like that i was surprised that her character would even care at that point about that yeah. because it didn't feel like she would like to me at least i feel like it was mm. more about a catharsis like she had to put it all was. those feelings out but i never thought of mm. it like in relation to him i just thought of it as finally these people are grieving and like letting all their grief out and mm-hmm. I thought that was a beautiful cathartic moment where mm. they're holding her and screaming and she's screaming. That that to me was the climax of the movie for me. Yeah. 
And I like that the underlying thing is that it's like her transformation into healing kind of thing. Yeah. No, here's the, here's the thing about it. I, I agree that grief plays a really important role in both of the movies. And I think that realistically speaking, what I really enjoy about both of them is how human these characters are and just how painful it really seems to be and, and how you can accompany them through this journey. Um, but I feel like in terms of Midsummer, what Danny is trying to do, she, um, which Florence Pugh, who's the actress who plays her, is amazing. Uh, she's so good. Um, but I feel like the movie's about her trying to come to terms with the fact that um, no, she's never been part of a family. Even, um, sure, she grieves for her family because that's her family, but I feel like she was always kind of distant. Um, she didn't have a great relationship with her sister. Um, I don't think she had a great relationship with her parents because they never even touch upon it. Um, and obviously this whole thing comes back to the fact that she has a shitty relationship with this guy. Um, so when it comes to to that scene and the catharsis that that comes with it, I agree that it has to do with the grief of her family, but I also feel it has to do with the longing for a family and the fact that she's never had that. Um, and it comes like full circle. And that maybe it's not necessarily that she cares that the dude cheats on her, but it's more like the final straw that makes her realize like maybe maybe I could fit in here, maybe I should stay here, maybe I I could be helped by someone else. Mm -hmm. No, I completely I I I love that you saw that, especially the toxic relationship part because I didn't feel that when I watched it, and it makes sense. Mm. Um, I just oh, and it's like. The the way that it's sprinkled all throughout the movie, I think, is really cool. Like when he tries to surprise her with a birthday cake, um, Ari Astor puts them in the frame, and it like in between them on the background is a group of people from the cult, um, and they're holding this baby, and it's like uh, the boyfriend keeps trying to light the candle kind of like yeah. symbolizing how they're trying to rekindle this relationship that is clearly not there anymore. And he tries and he tries and he tries and it won't, the candle itself won't stay on. Uh, and the baby's behind them. And it's kind of this whole, like how the cult is starting to be in between them and how they will never actually reconciliate. I don't know. I thought in terms of a breakup movie, it, it knows how to handle itself you know yeah i have uh completely off topic from what, what that was all about but basically um we have charlie in hereditary and you have ruben in Nisomar. uh mm. like first of all this might come off as slightly insensitive but is is that charlie's like actual face or is there any is there just makeup prosthetics it's a very unique know. face it is it is her face, and I actually made that comment when I watched it the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought maybe there was makeup as well, but it's she's just very unique. Um, okay, that's. But in other pictures that I've seen, it's less creepy, obviously, because there's no setting. There's no. Yeah, yeah. they they but, emphasize her uniqueness then. Yeah, and there's exactly. always makeup when it comes to movies, right? <laughs> For so sure, probably a For little sure. bit of that, but different. But I don't from... think prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. For sure. No, Different no, from no, any other no. th 
film, I don't think the makeup on Charlie specifically is um, making her look more appealing in this case. Uh, mm-hmm. Regardless, I she think is definitely a great actress for sure. The two characters, great actress, but both of them have very unique face. Ruben is definitely uh, prosthetic to to mm-hmm. an extent. Um, but what was what was the deal with Ruben in Midsummer? Where did he fit in in the puzzle? What was his part of it all? Well, he's supposed to be um, the connection uh, that the cult has to the otherworldly aspect of their of their beliefs, yeah. right? Like he's supposed to be able to because he's a result of inbreeding, which basically means um, incest and incestual sexual relationships. Um, so basically what we can gather from that is that Ruben is, um, in some way, uh, they say unclouded special needs. Yeah. And he is, that's what they mean, right? Like he doesn't, because he's unclouded, he has a direct connection to the divine, to like this other worldly source of knowledge. And that's why he, isn't he the one that writes their sacred books? Uh Yeah. He draws them. And then they interpret it, which is, uh-huh. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but everything what does that it had add to, do, to the film? I think it's just the mythology part All right. about yeah. it. It's just world building. Which I, which I really liked. Even the cycles that they mentioned, like the age cycles and what you do at each period uh-huh. of your mm-hmm. life. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, very community lifestyle, like... Uh, very uh we serve the community we we do this for them which is why they die at 71 because they have nothing else to add to it but i thought that was interesting i just uh everything that had to do with the mythology i liked it added uh context at Mm. least for me and i think it comes back to what alga said about how midsummer feels a little bit more like the world is fleshed out more like it's a little bit more yeah um, round it out um but i do believe that Midsommar would um benefit from some part of hereditary of not being too predictable i feel like if mm. if the storyline per se from hereditary would be ingrained in midsummer and it would be more of a mystery i feel like it could have been a better film because hereditary is the stronger one of the two I feel like Midsummer is too predictable to its own flaw. I do. Mm. If it would have I, been a big satisfactory uh, reveal or more of a climax at the end, we always see it coming. Um, I do believe that. I feel like uh, it goes into the fairy tale thing that Mal mentioned that the director even said. I think that her- Hereditary is supposed to be also more mysterious and creepy. Um I feel mm-hmm. like the only scary part for me in Midsummer was when she goes into the bathroom and she's having a bad trip on mushrooms and and there's a little girl behind, which I still don't know who it is because I, it was so fast, but I think it's her sister. Definitely. Um, and she like lights a match. I feel like that part was nice. Uh, the rest, honestly, isn't scary. Yeah, it's just it's just way more about... It's almost like you're welcomed into a cult and it's supposed to be predictable because fairy tales are predictable. And it's like, Mm -hmm. she gets what she wants in the end, which for Mao is the breakup 
with the toxic relationship and yeah. and also like tuning into her emotions and healing from the grief of the loss that she had mm-hmm. but it's just it's 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 almost as if it's fulfilling a prophecy that she wants to happen yeah 100% i i agree with that there is something of the editing that i really liked i don't know if you guys remember the shot of the car going into the festival part and the shot mm-hmm. it's the same cinematographer so it goes upside down oh yes um they do the same thing in hereditary when annie is going to confront joan but doesn't find her at her apartment so she goes in mm-hmm. the hallway and it's the same upside down type of shot and i was trying to figure out why that one like why did he choose that particular technique and i was thinking it's maybe because it's the moment where each of the characters is like really going into like another world type of thing but i don't know Mm. what do you guys think actually now that you bring it up it could be like that whole this is the moment of the film where we get into the the paranormal the otherworldly the things that is not of our world per se or, or our normal life what do you think, Algot? Maybe it's like uh, the point of no return for the characters. I think, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Uh, with I that. like that. In Midsummer, really however, like I didn't really pick it up on Hereditary, funny enough. Uh, but in Midsummer, I found it to be more like maybe even that, but also that they're treading into un- uncharted territory in a, yeah. in a sense. And it's very new and uneasy. It, but it's I'll just, tell you this, though. Yeah. For me, watching midsummer is like the only real like the biggest takeaway for me in midsummer is that there's a reason why i actually am scared shitless of drugs like a bad trip is so yes fucking uh-huh. menacing to me i would never i would never and after watching this movie and I, yeah i just don't i don't fuck with that I I read those comments, like I said, like they said it was accurate. And I was like, I'm never taking acid ever. (laughs) Because even the way the actor looks, like I know it's totally acting, but the way he looks so miserable within his bad trip, I just, I almost felt it. It felt like it was contagious, And I was, I was feeling almost nauseous as I was watching it. Yeah, I feel like they have a very good, midpoint in this one i mean you, mao you know this but i have a very strong interest in uh translating intoxication in a visual language because that's an emotion that's very difficult to translate mm-hmm. uh fear of loathing in las vegas is probably the best one that i've seen uh to this point uh then again i've never been on acid and alcohol and weed <laughs> and everything at the same time so i'm not too sure <laughs> But the way they they visualize the feeling of of a trip is really cool in that film. Midsummer is doing it very nicely as well, but not to the same extreme. I feel like they could have mm. gone a little bit further with it if they wanted to. They obviously didn't, and it's it really gives a nice underlying tone. But it's it's always interesting to me seeing this uh, phenomena. On the screen. Drunkenness, however, is very difficult to do. I haven't seen any film or any medium do drunkenness in a great way. But I actually love 
<laughs> editing wise like midsummer when she's going into the bathroom at the apartment and all of a sudden she's in an airplane bathroom i love yes. that type of editing yeah. like it's just as an aspiring editor i that's my goal is like that type and it's of very editing. it's very flawlessly made it's not on the nose like edgar wright does it's a different style but it works so well but it's yeah. memorable too because mm. you're not supposed to remember editing but in this case it works well yeah. to remember yeah. it yeah well because i think maybe even though he's his stories aren't necessarily anything revolutionary i think the way that he a works with actors because all of the actors in all of his on in both films are top-notch it's ridiculous yeah. like um peter from hereditary he's he's from a nickelodeon show really like he, yeah he was he was in a nickelodeon show with his brother uh they they had like a band it was like you know and he pulls off well wow. this insane yeah. performance you know and it's haunting to be completely honest and i feel that comes with the fact that he's just really good with working with their um with his actors because um they're all really 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 good i agree performance is everything in these movies especially uh tony collette she's the best oh my god if i would pick one out of both movies it's her i feel like she totally got snubbed that year for the oscar like she should have gotten it i'm sorry she's just amazing and that scene like like the dinner scene where where she's like bashing on her son i thought that was so good it is so good it is i i i especially liked when she finds out that her daughter is dead it it Ugh. felt very gut-wrenching so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it goes on for so long it's awful yeah especially yeah. same thing with midsummer i think the creepiest thing was that cry in the beginning and and you feel it it's like a it's like you're completely lost in the grief mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that and obviously it's haven't just... experienced that before but it feels very accurate yeah and i feel like he's just really good at holding tension and like making these takes obviously longer and obviously uh, uncomfortable because that's how they feel, right? Like we're supposed to be in that with them. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Alrighty. So with that, I believe it's time to give ratings and our closing thoughts on both of these movies. You know, we can start with Hereditary, mostly because that's the way we've been doing it. So Isa, we usually rate things here, as you know, out of five. Mm -hmm. So what what are what are your closing thoughts on the movie and what score would you give it? I think Hereditary is one of the most memorable horror films of the decade. I would say that. So I gave it a four and a half stars because it is it is one of my favorites, uh, even though it makes me very uncomfortable. It it succeeds in every way. It's just it's I would say it's the creepiest movie I've ever seen, for sure. Not mm. the most uh, terrifying, but creepiest. Interesting. Really? Right. What are you? What are you thinking, Algar? It's not the creepiest movie I've seen this decade. That's for sure. 
It's what, what what would you say? What you would you say is the creepiest movie you've seen this decade? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What I'm saying is that <laughs> I feel like Hereditary is not necessarily. It knows what it wants to be, and it's really close to nailing that on the head. But I feel like it's it's. It, there is a shift at the end there when it mm. goes from just like psychological thriller maybe and kind of like uneasy throughout to full-on horror and you see all of these flashing images and it's just scary. Um, so I feel like Hereditary could have been more structured maybe. Mm. Not to say that it's not like well worked on. It's yeah. amazingly detailed and so and so. I don't know. It's just it's lacking something. It's lacking some structure or <coughs> encompassing <coughs> thing. What are your thoughts, Mao? I really like Hereditary. I've watched it three times now. I still enjoy it. There's still things that you know, I miss and in the watch and then I come back and I rewatch and, and it's suddenly there and I'm like mind blown. Um, I enjoy the performances. I think the editing and the visual style and language are just top notch. Like realistically, when I make a film, if I make a film, I would like to have, you know, half of the mastery that this guy has yeah. on visual language because it's insane like just how he draws you into this story through the visual aspect of a film you know he doesn't necessarily rely on over uh expository dialogue you know he gives you just exactly what you need in that moment um i do think that it's not perfect and i there's maybe things that um, could be worked on, but I still feel it's a very solid movie and I really, really like it. Uh, I think for me, it's a 4.5 star out of five for sure. Same for sure. Oh, what was your rating? All got, I forgot. No, he's I about never... to give it. He hasn't given okay. it. He, he, he you, wants to, he, he's holding off. You guys are going to hate me. I'm, <clears throat> It's 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 just not a film that appeals to me one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I think it is mostly about the uh, the themes, if you will, uh, of the entire spirituality. It's just not something that I can grasp on, and therefore it's not sitting Engaging. too well with me. So I'm, mm. I feel like I'm gonna give it a good like average score. Then again, I would like to rewatch it and appreciate it probably more. Because there's a mm. lot of detail in it. So Hereditary gets a 2.5 out of 5 right. for me. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Isa, what about Midsummer? That's exactly the rating I gave to Midsummer. <laughs> 2.5. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't say that I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it for sure. But I also feel like it's not the type of movie for me. It's just not... Okay. Hereditary is way more um, art house, I feel like. Yeah. And I, it's just my cup of tea, I guess. 
I, I like art house <laughs> <Puns>. horror. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, Midsummer. What do you think? It's it's way more aesthetically pleasing, one hundred percent. It's absolutely beautiful, and I highly appreciate the visual language, especially with the uh, the trips and the intoxication. But um, it's just not as solid. It's uh, mm. I do feel like it's too predictable. There's no surprise. Um, this conversation has brought my appeal to both of these movies up more. Like mm. I respect them more for a lot of things that just flew over my head. But Midsummer is not as great. Okay. Do you want to wait? Do you want to make us wait for your rating again? Did Isabella give her rating? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Two and a half. Two and a half. Oh yeah, nice. Uh I will say this. Uh after watching these two films, I feel like Ali Aster falls into the same category as Greta Gerwig in the okay. sense that both of these filmmakers are amazing filmmakers, but they're the movies themselves just don't appeal to me, unfortunately enough. Mm. I really wish they would. Uh so I will keep watching their movies. And hope that there one will one day be a movie that's made for me. I rank Miss Summer one point five out of five. Savage. Sorry. I like it. It's nice. I feel like this is the first time. I feel like some people think that you and I agree on stuff way too much. Uh, and I was looking really? over Yeah, especially in terms of um ratings. Like I feel like for the most part in in the episodes that have come out we agree on a lot. <laughs> no, this episode is fun for that reason. Yeah. But I do feel like you guys see, even if you rate similarly, you see things very differently in mm -hmm. films. Oh, no. Which I yeah, really like. For sure. Well, thank you for that. That's really nice. Mostly because you're right. No, we, we might rate things the same, but Algot's a fucking robot. So sometimes it... Well, he's pretty mushy when he likes happy kind of movies. That's good. Fair. I think there's a yeah. balance somewhere, there. but I do realize that you're way more visual than yeah. us. I feel like aesthetics oh, yeah. are way... Well, you are a cinematographer. It makes total sense. So. And I think, exactly. I think there's a lot of truth in what you said previously, Mao, in that uh, character movies doesn't really appeal to me. Concept movies yeah. do. And yeah. these are neither. Your thoughts on Miss Summer? I don't like it as much as I like Hereditary, but um, I really do like this guy's work and how he approaches things. And knowing that he thought of this as like a fairy tale and a breakup movie and kind of giving it a bit of context. I previously saw Midsummer. I gave it a 3.5. Honestly, upon rewatching it, I, I think I'm going to bump it up. Because I just, I had a lot of fun watching it yesterday. I don't know if it's because I watched them back to back. And yeah. I kind of felt that I I was also very uh, much wired because of all the caffeine that I had in, inside of me. But I felt like I, I saw exactly what this guy wanted to do with both of these films. And I feel like that's really interesting to me. You know, I'll got for a fact that I just, I, I love a good character driven movie. Um, Especially when that character sometimes doesn't end up when you think it's it's gonna go in terms of hereditary, because um, I didn't think all of them were gonna die, especially when I thought there was a ghost story uh -huh. and I was like 
you know, something else is going to happen. But um, in terms of Midsummer, I think it's a beautiful movie. I think it's very well made. I think the performances are great. So I'm going to give it a four out of five for sure. I feel like we can go on for quite some time, but um, yes, it's already a bit of a longer episode than normal. But I feel like it's been a pleasurable talk nevertheless experience <laughs> yes and with that Alzad, i think all of our cups of coffee are empty i think this conversation's over the cup of coffee is over isabella thank you so much for joining yes, us today yes, thank you. and thank um i how about you outro us well why don't i well make sure to follow me and mao on letterbox that's where we update other movies that we see every now and then and we log them maybe give some ratings or even even a uh, thought a what do you call it comment uh review review on the movie <laughs> for sure uh, and naturally make sure to subscribe whether or not you're watching this on youtube or whatever your preferred podcast format is um follow subscribe and you will be notified next time we release an episode uh, mm-hmm. isabella do you want to do you want to give a shout out for yourself anything you want to put out there what do you mean i don't know <laughs> yeah, social media letterboxd oh whatever for myself I'm also on Letterboxd and I also review way more now because now I actually do it right after I watch a movie. I love Letterboxd. Nice. And I've been trying to update my wish list. Oh, watch list. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's it. How would we find you on Letterboxd? What do we search? So my Letterboxd is Isabella with one L, CPM. And I've been trying to keep it up to date. Thanks again, Isabella, for joining us. It's been thanks for having me. It's been a nice talk. Yeah, it was. It, it has. was a pleasure. Same. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.